Oh yeah, ladies, when you miss that, you miss a lot, right? <laughs> I will say at the end, the big awe, that was my granddaughter. <laughs> I'm a very blessed man. I had all four of my grandkids in church today. Just so exciting. Very exciting. So, if you have a worship folder, in your worship folder is an outline with some of the verses on it and some fill-ins to follow along. You may have something that God speaks to you today about that has been something that's been a big deal for you, and it would be a really good thing to be able to write that down so you don't forget it. Today, technically, is Palm Sunday, and what Palm Sunday is, is a celebration of 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem the week before he died. He rode in on Sunday the week before he died, and if you remember the story, it's actually in all four Gospels. The, um, Jesus said, go, go into town here, and, and, and there'll be a donkey there. And if somebody asks, just tell them the master needs it. And so they did that, and that's what happened. They came back, a donkey, and it's cold. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem as people are laying their coats down and saying, Hosanna, and they don't even realize they're fulfilling centuries-old prophecies as Jesus triumphantly rides into Jerusalem and everybody is cheering him and everybody is saying, Hosanna, Jesus is here. And um, Friday of that week, they killed him. A lot happened in a, in a few short days. So this is Palm Sunday and a lot of churches all over the world are celebrating this. Um, I've been leading up to Easter. One of the things I always do is I read the accounts in the scripture over and over again. I read um, the Gospels again where it talks about that. I read things I'll mention later like um, Isaiah 53 that 700 years before his birth prophesied so much about what was going to happen on that day. Um, And I can't help but think that although today is Palm Sunday, I know what's coming. And what's coming is Good Friday. And... I have to say, as a kid, when I was growing up, Good Friday was a real mystery to me. Because I'm looking at what happened to Jesus with the trials and and the beatings and the crucifixion, and I'm saying, Good Friday wasn't so good for Jesus. (laughs) Why did we even call that Good Friday? The problem was, I didn't understand all the benefits, all the benefits to me personally because of that day, because that's what makes it good. That's what makes Good Friday good is those benefits. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12 too. We must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross. And here's why. Because he knew that later on, he would be glad he did. And I read that and I say, why would he be glad? You know why he would be glad? Because of all the benefits that it would bring to you. When I read the story again, over and over, as I prepare spiritually and mentally and emotionally for Easter, and I read what he did for me, over and over what keeps coming back is he did that all for me. He did that all for you. That was for you that he did that. I have a story here. It's from a, it's actually from a a London newspaper, I think. But it says, a homeless man living on the streets of Santa Cruz de la Sierra 
in Bolivia. I have no idea if I said that right. It was just fun to say. <laughs> this man fled police, running from the police, this homeless guy, who were just bringing him news of a $6 million inheritance. Thomas Martinez, 67, apparently thought the police were about to arrest him for his alcohol and drug habits. The man disappeared without a trace. The inheritance came to Mr. Martinez from his ex-wife, Inez Olivares, who inherited the money herself from family members. She evidently did not blame him for leaving him several years ago. <laughs> the unlucky man has never been found. Now we think, oh my goodness, what a tragedy. Here's the thing. If you don't know the benefits of Jesus dying for you, then you're going to go through life missing all that God intends for you. And I know way too many people that are just like that homeless guy running from the police, and the news that they're bringing him is good news. I know way too many Christians who are running from that, not realizing what Jesus provided when he died for you. Years ago, actually decades ago, uh, when, our, when our kids were just being born and little and, and we're starting our family, um, I got life insurance policy. And I did that because I wanted to care for Julie and the kids just in case. We, we had a running joke for a while because I had two policies. One was a regular life insurance policy and one was this accidental death and dismemberment thing which was kind of even morbid to just read through. But... The joke was, if I die, make it look like an accident, and you'll get a lot more money, you know? And as the years passed, it, be, it actually worried me a little bit. <laughs> but here's the thing. Did I ever benefit from that? No, no. And the reason I didn't is because the amount that would have been given to them to care for them if I died is called a death benefit. I'm still here. You only get that benefit after a death. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk today about the death benefits provided to you by Jesus. Because Jesus died. He died to pay for these benefits for you. He paid for them with his life. So if you are a child of his, if you are a follower of Jesus you should collect these benefits because he paid for them. By my count, there are at least 60 benefits of Jesus dying for you. So buckle up and get comfortable. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> We're going to talk about three today, and that's it, just three. Total forgiveness, deep healing, and true freedom. What today is is actually part one. It's part one of a two-part message. Today is the benefits of Jesus' death. Next Sunday, and here's your public service announcement, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. That was actually pretty good for not giving you any instruction at all. That was really good. Did you catch that? If you weren't privy to that, that's like, an, that's like a 300-year-old inside joke. Um, when somebody says, He is risen, you say, He is risen indeed. So let, we're going to practice for next week. You ready? He is risen he is risen See, next week is Easter. That's going to be part two. And next week being Easter, we have not two, but three services. We change the times, 8, 9.30, and 11. 
That provides you the opportunity to come to whichever service works best for the person you're inviting. It allows you to be here at one. It allows you to serve in one or two and to make sure that everything happens the way that it should. It's an all hands on deck kind of Sunday because it's the Sunday that we celebrate with the rest of the world that Jesus is risen. That was kind of almost he is risen, but not enough for you to respond. So reword it a little bit. Next week, though, we're going to talk about benefits of the resurrection. So you don't want to miss next week. So today we're going to talk about death benefits, benefits of Jesus' death. Here's the first death benefit. It's total forgiveness. I get total forgiveness of everything I've done wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that statement, that blows my mind. It would blow your mind if you knew me. I get total forgiveness for everything I've ever done wrong because of Jesus' death. In Colossians 2, verse 14, it says this, He canceled the debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to his cross. He provided the opportunity and the way for me to have total forgiveness of those debts. Imagine getting a call. And for some of you, this would be a a little deal. For some of us, it would be a really big deal. Imagine getting a call and the person on the other end said, I just wanted you to be aware that all of your debt has been wiped out. And it'd be like, whoa! That's what happened here. It's like if you were given a life sentence, you did something, you got caught, you're convicted, you're given a life sentence, and someone else agrees to serve it for you. That's what this is. In Ephesians 1.7, it says, In Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death. It's because he died for us. And so we have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. We talk a lot about grace here because it's a big deal. Grace is a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't like bargain for it like some people try to do. If you do this, God, I'll do this. Or if I do this, will you do this? You can't do that. You will never deserve grace. Here's what grace is. God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. That's grace. In Romans 4.25, it says, Jesus was given to die for our sins. That's huge. For our sins. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it was for sin. It was for the penalty of sin because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And he died on the cross for sin, but it wasn't for his sin because he never sinned. He died on the cross for my sin, for your sin, to pay for everything you've ever done. He didn't die for his sins. He didn't have any. So the first death benefit we get is forgiveness from all sin. Forgiveness from everything we've ever done when you accept Jesus as Savior. That's the first death benefit. The second death benefit is deep healing. I get the healing power of Jesus in my life. I get the healing power of Jesus in my life. Because the truth is, every single one of us need healing. We need healing in many different ways. But here's what I know. Your deepest wounds are the ones that are hidden. They're not the ones on the outside that everybody sees and prays for. They're the ones inside that are hidden. 
and healing for that is available through the cross. Deep healing, the healing power of Jesus in my life. In 1 Peter 2.24, we just went through Peter in one of the, the, the series that we did. Peter writes this, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. And you are healed because of his wounds. Now, what does that last phrase mean? You are healed because of his wounds. It means Jesus not died, not just to forgive you of your sin, not just to save you, but to heal you too. Peter's actually quoting Isaiah. I mentioned this earlier. Isaiah was written over 700 years before Jesus came. And in Isaiah 53, if you want to read something interesting this week, um, you read through the Gospels and the account of Jesus being uh, beaten and crucified. Then read Isaiah 53 and realize it was written 700 years before Jesus was born. And it describes what happened to him. And in Isaiah 53, it says, He was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was wounded and bruised for our sins, beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed. That's called redemptive suffering. He was suffering on the behalf of others, not for anything he did. He was suffering on behalf of us. And it says he was lashed and we were healed. In our original state, in the original state of the human race, when God created us, there was no sickness, there was no suffering, there was no sorrow, there was no death. That didn't happen until we humans rebelled against God. And when we rebelled against God, the system was broken. We talk about this here all the time. The system, the whole world system was broken when we rebelled in sin against God, and now everything is broken. The philosophers and the theologians call it the fall of man, and I call it the fall of everything, because it's not just us that's broken. You don't have to look around much at the world to see that everything around us is broken. Sin causes the situations that cause suffering. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you see somebody suffering with something, you can say, oh, they sinned, and so this happened. That's not the way it works. The way it works is when we sin, do we cause suffering? Absolutely. But there is plenty of suffering just because we live in a broken, sin-cursed world. We see it in so many different ways. And here's what happened. On earth, when Jesus came, his mission was to begin the restoration of everything that was damaged by sin. That's what he started when he came 2,000 years ago. He started restoring paradise. And it won't be completed until he returns and this age is over. I believe that's going to be soon. I can't wait. But it won't be complete till then. But he started it in his ministry. That's why healing was such a prominent part of his ministry. You can't read very many stories of Jesus without coming upon story after story after story of him healing somebody or something happening. In Matthew 9, 35, it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the Jewish synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Actually, about a third of Jesus' ministry was health care. 
He was preaching, teaching, and healing, which is what we as a church want to do as well. Because we want to speak to people's minds, but we want to speak to their hearts and, and to their souls as well. But there is healing that's needed. The fact, though, that every single person that's hearing this today is aware of, not everything is healed on this earth right now. We know that. You know, some of the greatest saints in history lived a lifetime with chronic illness and pain their whole lives. Many of them short lives with that pain. Because not every prayer for healing is answered on this side of death. He answers it, but not on this side of death. The truth is God has all eternity to fulfill his promises. And we look at this brief time that we get here on this planet as compared to all the time that we get to spend with him in heaven, and we think everything has to be done right here. What has to be done right here is we, we choose Jesus and live for him, practice for eternity. He has all of this to correct all of this back here. And we think, oh, he didn't heal, so I'm not going to trust in him anymore. God has all eternity to fulfill that promise. We are still commanded to ask, okay? But we then leave it to God. And that means if God chooses to heal somebody, we rejoice and give him the glory. If he chooses not to heal somebody right now the way we think he should, we rejoice and give him the glory. Because we don't see the big picture like he sees it. The Bible tells us that all of creation is waiting for the total salvation of everything because it's only in part right now. Jesus just began it when he came here. Romans 8, this is not on the screen. I mean, not on your notes, but it's on the screen. Romans 8, verses 23 and 26, it says, Not only is creation waiting for restoration, but we, also wait, we are also waiting with pain inside us, and we're all well aware of that. Now God has given us his spirit, as the first part of the promise to us. So he's, those who have claimed Jesus as Savior have his spirit in them as like a deposit guaranteeing what he's going to do. And it says, but we are waiting for the day when God will finish making us his own children, which means that our bodies will finally be made free. But for now, God's spirit helps us in our weakness. That's because God does not always heal here the way that we think he should, but he always gives his followers his presence. He's always there with them, even in the middle of that suffering. Luke 5, 17, it says, The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick. And that's what we need more than anything in our lives is his presence. So let me ask you this. Where do you need healing? Because when we think of that, the first thing we think of is always physical healing. But you might need healing, you might need emotional healing. Because there's a lot of different types of healing. You might need emotional healing from hurts and from memories, from, from damaged emotions, from things that you have done or have been done to you. You might need that kind of healing. You might need financial healing. Financial healing from the pressure of, of maybe dumb decisions and debt that you piled up. And you need that financial healing. Maybe it's relational healing. Maybe you have some relationships that are broken and damaged, and those relationships need healed. Maybe it's mental healing. You're struggling with things that nobody else knows about, compulsive thoughts and fears and things going on inside, and you need that mental healing. Maybe it is physical healing, and your body is broken and doesn't work perfectly. Welcome to the club. 
Maybe it's spiritual healing. Maybe it's a strain between you and God. Maybe the relationship there is not what it should be, and it's not because God moved. It's because you moved. And you need that healing there, that spiritual healing. The truth is we can be sick or ill in all of those areas. And here's what happens. They all overlap. You know how many people are sick physically because of emotional things they're going through? Here's a good example. What I think is probably the unhealthiest emotion there is, bitterness. You, you, unforgiveness. You have that bitterness for something, and the sad thing is the thing that you're bitter about, the person that you're bitter about probably doesn't even know it or care. And you're suffering, and you're doing damage emotionally and physically. I know so many people who are struggling physically with things because of the things that are going on in their heart and mind. All of those things overlap. On the cross, when Jesus died, he not only took your sins, he took your suffering and your sorrow and your sickness. The sad thing is, there are so many people who haven't availed themselves to the fact that Jesus took their sins on the cross. They're going to pay for their own because they're not going to choose Jesus. It's the same thing for the healing part of it. They're not going to choose to have that even though Jesus took your suffering and sorrow and sickness on the cross. That's the second death benefit. Here's the third death benefit. It's true, free, true freedom. I get the power to break free from controlling forces. I get the power to break free from controlling forces. Now, I know there's a lot of people here who will think, well, nothing controls me. I'm in control. <laughs> say that out loud, we'll all laugh, and so will God. Because the truth is, we don't realize how much we let other things control us. L let me give you some examples. We let our moods control us. And we think, no, I'm in control. No, your mood is in control. And we can see how you're acting because of that. We can see the choices that you're making because of that. We let the media control us. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. Here's the truth that you need to know. Whatever the media says is not the whole story. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It's not the whole story. They're trying to convince you of something. And we get controlled by that. We make decisions because of that. And sometimes we get in family fights because of that. We let those things control us. Too many people let their past control them. Something that happened, something they did, something that was done to them, they can't move past that thing, whatever it is. And that's controlling them. Too many people let the approval of others control them. It's a big thing. We talk about this here all the time. I struggle, that's why we talk about it, because I struggle with it. I, I, I struggle with pleasing people, and I'm learning. I'm, getting, I'm going in the right direction. But every once in a while, it still rears its ugly head. And it's so funny to watch people who will spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to please people they don't like. <laughs> and then get in trouble for it. Because we can be controlled by the approval of others and do things that maybe we know we shouldn't do. We can be controlled by our fears. And we can make choices based on that that are not in our best interest or the best interest of anybody. 
because we're making choices based on the fear that controls us. Maybe for some people it's your memories. It's things you just can't get past it, that you've heard said to you or about you, maybe things that you've said or done. And, and you let your memories control you. A lot of people let the culture control them. In Minnesota, we let the weather control us. By the way, it's not going to snow tomorrow. I've been reading my, my weather app, and I've been praying seriously about this. Because the first time I looked at it, it said four to seven inches tomorrow. And it's like, oh, Lord, cast that evil demon out. We're done with that. And the next time I looked at it, it said three to five. It's like, it's going the right direction. Keep praying. Keep praying, Tim. This morning it said one to three. Tomorrow it'll probably stay a foot, but it doesn't matter. We let the weather control us in, in, here. A lot of people let the devil control them. They let those voices that they hear, telling them the things that they shouldn't do, that at the moment, for whatever reason, sound like the right thing, and they're not. We let money control us. We let sex control us. Yes, I said that from the pulpit in church. Sex. So many people make a choice that if they think about it, they know, bad choice, going to have consequences, not going to end well, I think I'll do it anyways. Because we let those things control us. We let people who've hurt us control us. It's time to let that go. It's time to, let, to, to have them stop hurting you. That's your choice. And, and those who have claimed Jesus as Savior, we let our old nature control us. Here's what that is. If you know Jesus... If you have believed what God said about him, believed him, accepted him, received him as your savior, and you're a follower of Jesus, you have two competing forces inside you. I don't have to tell you this. You know this already. You have your old human nature to be self-centered, to want to do those things. And then that's, that's fighting against God's spirit, wanting you to do the right thing. And that battle is constant. And just when you think it's letting up is when it's going to hit again. That's how it works. In Romans, this is, I don't think it's on your outline, but it's on the screen. Romans 7, Paul says this. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. And when I'm doing it, I know it's not right, and I'm harming myself, but I can't seem to help myself. My old nature controls me. <coughs> And I can't make myself do what is right. I want to, but I can't. How many of you have felt that? That's me and dieting. As I'm putting it in my mouth, it's like, bad decision, bad decision. It happens to all of us with so many different things. If you're a follower of Jesus, that war will be constantly going on. And here's what you need to know. For some stuff, willpower is not enough to overcome old nature habits because there's a war going on. And I, I know there's probably as many testimonies in here as there are people for times that you said, I could do that <laughs> until tonight. And then something goes bad because willpower is not enough. There is another problem. That is another problem that Jesus died on the cross to solve. Not just to forgive sin, but to overcome its powerful habits in your life. Here's what Romans 6 says. 
Our old sinful selves were nailed to the cross with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We act like it, but we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also share his new life. We're sure of this because Christ rose from the dead. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. There's a whole book written on that. The book of Galatians talks about that. I love that first verse, verse 6, in the message paraphrase. Here's what it says. Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. We're no longer at sin's beck and call. See, the truth is, if you know Jesus as Savior, you have a new power to resist those bad habits. And we can say, I'm not fighting this battle alone anymore. Because we can't win it alone. I have God on my side. He puts his spirit inside me if I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't have to give in to the stuff anymore that's so self-defeating. We have an entire program built on this. Celebrate recovery. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, be there with your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Because we can't do this alone. Here's a fact. Your biggest enemy is you. My biggest enemy is me. That's my biggest problem. But here's the good news. You don't have to fight with yourself on your own. We have his word. We have his power. We have his spirit in us. We have his people to help us. Here's the key. Galatians 2.20. Good verse to memorize. I have been crucified with Christ. He died on the cross. I was crucified with him, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live, here's the key words, by faith. By faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He died for me, so that by faith, I could have that incredible benefit of being set free from all those controlling forces. Now, the only way that happens is by faith. None of these benefits, the total forgiveness, the deep healing, the real freedom, none of those things happen automatically. They don't, you, I, I accepted Jesus and all of these things are good now. No, you know, we battle with this. You have to accept them constantly in an atmosphere of faith. That means in the middle of it, when you don't think it's going to go right, you say, by faith, I'm choosing to let the Spirit's power in me, His Word, His people around me, make sure that I move in the right direction. And we do that daily by faith. So, if that sounds like something that you might be interested in, let me ask you this. Who are these benefits available to? Because a lot of people say, I'd like that, but that's not for me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know what I've done. Here's what Acts 10.35 says. In every country, God accepts anyone who worships him and does what's right. I love that verse in the message paraphrase. Here's what it says. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. 
If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door's open. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. If you're ready, God says the door is open. So how do we get these benefits? How do I get that in my life? The only way to get that in your life is to be adopted into his family. It's the only way. John 1.12 says, to all who receive him, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. You see, it's not enough to just believe. You have to receive him. He gave the right to become children of God. And many people would say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And I say, good, you're halfway there. Because it's not enough to just believe. You have to receive it for yourself. And say, Jesus, I believe what you did on that cross, dying for me, that was for me. And I, I receive that. I, want, I need those benefits. I need that because I can't do it on my own. Acts 3.19 says, now, not tomorrow or next week, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God and he can cleanse you from all your sins and pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. Now is the time. Maybe for some of you, today being Palm Sunday, the time when Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, maybe for you, it's time for the triumphal entry into your life. And it's time to stop pushing him out and stop choosing, because really, if you don't choose him, you're, you're, you're choosing not to have Jesus. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go there. You have to choose Jesus to become a child of his. To say, I believe and I receive what you did. I don't understand it all, but I receive that. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray. Because for some of you listening to this, I think it's time for you to talk to God about this. And you might say, just in the quietness of where you're sitting in your own heart, you don't even have to say it out loud. God hears you. That you're saying, I, I, I need this. I don't have this freedom that you're talking about. I don't have these benefits. And I believe that you died on the cross for me. I'm turning from my way, I'm turning to your way, Jesus. And by doing that, I get your total forgiveness. I need your total forgiveness. I need that deep healing. I need that real freedom. And maybe you've already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief and you, you've claimed Jesus as Savior, but you're not living in that freedom. And it's time to say, by faith, I need to be able to experience these benefits in my life. Jesus died to pay for them. So Father, my prayer is that this morning, whatever you are saying to anyone here listening to this right now, that their response to you would be, yes, Lord whether it's to come to you for the first time and claim Jesus as Savior and have that relationship with you because of Jesus, that in simple faith, their answer to you would be yes, Lord. And if they've already done that and they need to experience what it is to live by faith so they can have these benefits, that whatever you're asking them to do today, that their response to you today, Jesus, would be yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father, for how you're moving and working among us. We love you. And it's near Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. I'll tell you what, when they tell my story, they can tell it in one word. Jesus. One word. If you signed up for class 101, 
noon. That's like a half hour. Be back here at noon. We start with lunch, and then however long it lasts, it lasts. It's completely rewritten, so I have no idea. So, but it will be shorter. It will be shorter. If you did not sign up, there are a couple slots open still. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. Um, you can check with that. Um, that's that. Now, may Jesus, who died for your benefit, empower you to live this week in the grace of total forgiveness, in the peace of deep healing, and in the joy of real freedom. And if you ask Jesus to be your Savior today, Please, please share that with us. Put it on a communication card in the back. Put it in the box. Share it with somebody. Tell somebody. We want to rejoice with you, and we're all in this together. Remember, next week, three services, 8, 9.30, and 11 for Easter. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the incredible benefits we get because of what Jesus did on the cross dying for us. I pray that by faith, we will appropriate these benefits into our life and experience what you want us to experience as this restoration continues. Father, thank you, and we love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.